0: Welcome to the allegra PowerCast with Allegra Sinclair. Get ready to punch fear in the throat, show up, and tell your story. Allegra Sinclair is here to help you become the powerful woman you are meant to be. It's finally time to get unstuck and reveal how fabulous you are. And it's time for your host, Allegra Sinclair. Hey, this is Allegra. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast and I am super excited because my guest today is someone who I actually met online and have never seen in person so yes Virginia you can develop real relationships <laughs> over the internet and they don't all end up creepy like um, what is that the craigslist this is not that kind of situation but um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then I'm going to hush and let her speak for herself but um, I met this fabulous powerful woman about a year ago online We were both kind of running in the same uh, circles around web design and a particular framework. And one of the things that attracted me to her tweets was, um, in addition to um, talking about web design and, you know, good ideas around there, she every now and then gave me a little glimpse into like the rest of her world with like a powerful quote or a question that made me just stop and go, oh, wait, what? <laughs> I want to know more about that. So we have had a couple of quick conversations uh in the last 6 months or so and I just knew I needed to share her with you. So please welcome Tamala Huntley. Hi Tamala.
1: Hi. Thank you so much. You are welcome. And I have to I have to ask first. Am I on my good business behavior like filtered or
0: <laughs> We are all about authenticity here.
1: <laughs> so, okay cuz I was going to say you might have saw like a ratchet <laughs> or
0: uh, a ratchet tweet or something. No, if I did, I would not have mentioned that, right? I am, I am. I'm a powerful brand billing ally. But, um, what would you like us to know about you? Ah, oh, good question. I'm
1: just, um, that I'm just me. You know, I like, um, authenticity. I like uncomplicated life, um, be that relationships, be that work whatever the case may be. I like things uncomplicated. Um, I tend to live in my own little happy-go-lucky fairy world <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> um, not to say that, you know, I'm not realistic about things and things like that, but I just like um,
0: simplicity. Yeah.
1: Simplicity, great work.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, In a former life, I was a communications manager. (laughs) Good, good, because apparently we're going to need that. (laughs) Yes, if nothing else, I do have the vocabulary. Well, thank you. Um, And I'm always fascinated by how people choose to talk about themselves because sometimes we tell people things that we didn't know we were telling them. So, I'm not saying that you just did that. I just always say, you know, what would you like us to know about you instead of saying, hey, introduce yourself? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, because I think it feels different. Um, so, uh, one of the things that uh, Tamil and I were talking about a couple weeks ago was um, clarity. And we talked about so many things, but we talked about (laughs) clarity, both clarity, uh, like personal clarity, like understanding who you really are. We talked about clarity in your business. But the thing that really sparked um, my imagination about coming on the podcast was um, we talked about independence versus dependence. And we were specifically talking about location independence because Mm -hmm. you are getting ready to move. When are you moving? In February. And how long are you going to be moving for? Is this a temporary relocation or permanent?
1: Um, no, it's permanent. Um mm. and where are you going? <laughs> well, my first stop is Costa Rica. Oh my But I'm stop. so excited
0: insert all of the celebratory music and all that. <laughs> okay. You're moving to Costa Rica in February? Yes. I'm a little nervous, but I'm I'm more excited than nervous. And why are you going to Costa Rica in February?
1: Um, you know, I don't know how I ended up choosing Costa Rica as the first place that I wanted to go. But when I stopped working full time for other people, um, I just decided that I wanted to go visit all of these different nice Caribbean beachy countries. I don't know if I saw something on television or I saw something online um, and it sparked my interest because... um They were saying it was good for expats and all that kind of stuff. And then the more research that I did, the more that I found out about it, the more that I really wanted to go because it really exemplified all the things that I just told you, you know, about myself, pure being the whole, you know, pure life. Life is simple. Life is happy. That's like their whole mantra for living there. They have to have some of the happiest people on earth. They live the longest stuff like that. And so I was like, okay, well, this
0: really is my country. What am I doing here? So. (laughs) So, um, Fascinating, because uh, many of us might have found out all that about Costa Rica and been like, "Hey, I'll go for vacation, right?" I'm just saying, right? Many of us would have thought, "Okay, so I'll go for vacation. You know, maybe hang out a week. Hey, maybe I'll even take two weeks, but then I'll come home." So, what made you decide that you wanted to live there all the time? Um, because I can love that. So, let me t- uh, ask a question: When you shared that with your circle, how did they respond? <laughs> um, some of them were like Costa Rica. Why are you going to Costa Rica? The the,
1: the, the question that I get the most is, um, do you know anybody there? Like, how did you pick Costa Rica? The same some of the same things you ask me. How did I pick it? Why did I choose there? Um, do I know anybody there? Am I coming back? How long am I staying? All this kind of stuff. So, um, but for the mo pretty much the, for the most part, everybody's um been supportive. But then I don't surround myself with people who most of the people I surround myself with are big dreamers as well. And so, you know they're pretty supportive and they're
0: all looking for you know their spot waiting for their spot so that they can come over anyway <laughs> so and come visit. <laughs> okay that's funny now when you say you surround yourself with people who are big dreamers as well i love that that's so tweetable surrounding yourself with big dreamers but um does that extend to your family because what you you sound like you're describing your chosen circle and i'm a little bit fascinated as to whether the people who you didn't choose but who are still in your circle? How did they respond? Um, my,
1: my immediate family is pretty small. Um, it was really just me, my mom and my sister. And, um, for the most part, they've been okay. My mom is kind of like, you can't leave me. You have to come back, you know? So she's a little, um, she's a little leery, but she's also, she also knows that, um, when I feel like it's something that I have to do or something that I want to do, you know, she doesn't try to like stand in the way or anything like that. So
0: I love that. Will this be the first time that you have been that far away from your family? No, not at all. Um, When I
1: graduated from, I'm born and raised in Florida. I went to college in Florida. When I left college, I had an internship in Houston, Texas. And so I moved to Texas straight after um, school and I lived there for 15 years. Wow. And I just, yeah, and I just recently, that's where I grew up. That's where I became this me, you know, the past four years have been a lot of evolving too since I left and came back to Florida, but that's where I became grown up Tamla. <laughs> um, so no, it's not the first time and I've, I've kind of always, even as a kid, I've always kind of been a loner and kind of to myself. So I don't think it was anything surprising
0: to them. So I'm an IBM child. Okay. And IBM in the old days meant I've been moved because every 18, (laughs) right? It just used to forget international business machines. Every 18 to 24 months, we moved when I was growing up. And since that was my life, I didn't know that that was odd. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was accustomed to being in new places and moving a lot. Whereas I know a lot of people who have never left the town that they grew up in. Now, I didn't, I thought that was odd because that wasn't my life experience. So when I graduated, I went to three different colleges, first of all. <laughs> um, yeah, all those three working on my undergrad. So I went to three different colleges in three different states. But um, I remember I went home eventually, right, back to New Jersey after I graduated. But I remember moving to Arizona and encountering a lot of resistance not necessarily in my most immediate circle Um, and i don't think i was uh, hanging out with folks who necessarily necessarily dreamed big at the time but i think to them it was like so glamorous that you know this person they knew like went off to college and like got a job big enough that they would actually move them right so to them it was um wow this is really cool and arizona was it might as well have been egypt and i'm just saying right so most of my mom's family was in north carolina so for her to be in new jersey was a big deal so for me being in arizona it was just like okay it's you flat out moved across the country yes right but they're saying (laughs) hey we were getting on a plane most likely anyway so it really didn't make that big a difference but close like people closer to my age freaked out so to them the unknown the I had that question as well. Um, Do you know anybody there? No. Um, But I was so comfortable being new in places that I was immediately on like the Arizona transition team helping other people who were struggling with that decision, right, figure out how it would be a good thing. Because I'm like, are you kidding? Um, It just sounded like excitement to me. Now looking back on it, I realize that is, um, for a lot of people, a really bold move, I do recognize that that is punching fear in the throat for some folks to hop up and move to another place. Even if they wanted to do it, even if they're excited about it, there is still that fear that you kind of have to get past. Um, But I think you uh, touched on something really good, which was um, how do you get good at taking risks and how do you get good at uh, doing things, being afraid and doing it anyway? You have to keep doing it. Right. It's one of those things you just kind of have to practice. So have you found that your um, willingness to take risks in other areas of your life has translated into you now being completely willing to go to Costa Rica?
1: You know, for as long as I can remember, I've always kind of been like a like a risk taker or like I'll I'll do once I decide to do something. I'm going to analyze it to death, probably, you know, initially I'm gonna analyze the heck out of it. But once I decide to do it, it's a wrap. It's done. Like I'm, I'm doing it, whether it's staying up late to get something done for a week or whatever. Once I decide, then I start taking the steps to figure it out. But I think it's also just a part of the way, kind of the way that I've been trained because, you know, in engineering, you, they teach you, you take this problem, you analyze it, you figure out all the pieces, and then you go about solving it piece by piece. And so I kind of tend to break things down into piece by piece and it's funny because even still like I still have moments where um I have to remind myself to not give in to fear and there are some areas where I totally don't um I don't do well (laughs) with that um but most of the time I just kind of like I'm just kind of like okay what's the worst that can happen what's the best that can happen and it's funny because there are still little things that make me nervous. Like when I, when I first um, decided I was going to go, I was happy and all this stuff. And it's actually four years in the making. Um, and then as it's gotten closer, like a month ago, I realized, okay, I'm getting nervous. I need to do something. <laughs> so, um, so I brought the
0: ticket. I bought the one-way ticket. I was like, okay, oh. like ticket purchased. Okay. No turning back. You're going. So it's like a I, little baby recommitment. Yeah.
1: It's like a, it's like a enforced, um, I don't know, kind of like, a, you know, you're, you're in, enforcing the decision that you've already made. So I bought the ticket. I posted it on my Facebook and I was like, it's officially official done. And wow. so that, and then, and then other people's excitement about it also helped to, Make it even more exciting and, you know, to dull the nerves and that kind of stuff all over again. And then I just realized you've done it before. So, it, I mean, it's another country, but <laughs> you've done it before. And if
0: you don't like it, go somewhere else or, <laughs> you know, fly somewhere else. It's only two and a half hours away. There is so much good stuff in that. So one, Um, I love that, right? So you recommitted in a very visible way and in a way that held you accountable to others. So sometimes we'll say we're going to take a big risk and it's like the best kept secret in the world, right? Because if we don't tell anybody, then if we don't do it, nobody can say, hey, weren't you going to do X? Remember that thing you said you were going to do? Because if we don't tell them, then they can't check us on whether or not we did it. But the second piece of that was you said people's excitement helped reinforce your commitment. And I'm going to suggest there were people who weren't as excited, but it didn't matter. So I think one of the things is, and I don't know if this is um, a condition that comes along with ovaries, but sometimes we want so badly for other people to kind of co-sign our decision that if they don't it's devastating and i love that you are living out that if other people are excited that's great and if they're not that's okay too (laughs) because your vision and your dream is different so why would you expect someone else to see with your glasses right everybody's prescription is different exactly and it took me a
1: long time to finally become comfortable with you know, who I am and what I like to do, what I don't like to do, you know, um, what makes me happy. Like, like I said, I'm simple, simple things make me happy. Like I don't have to have a lot of things. I don't have to, you know, constantly be doing a lot of things and all that stuff. And I'm okay with that. Like I'm finally okay with the fact that I can just sit on the beach with a book and be happy. Like, you know, some people may find that boring. Some people may find that, you know, like I post a lot of pictures about the beach. It's an integral part of my life and who I am. And I'm finally okay with that. Like picking up and moving to Costa Rica with, I'm trying to get my stuff down to maybe like three suitcases max. I'm okay with that. Like, totally okay. And so I think it takes a lot of learning, a lot of, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's just, you know, processing through life and processing through different
0: experiences to finally become okay with who you are. You said earlier that you were reminding yourself of past successes because you were saying to yourself that as you kind of experience some nerves about the move, that you uh, remind yourself, hey, you've done this before. You got this, right? And if you get down there and you don't like it, then you can make a different decision. But as part of that, you said that in some areas, this kind of willingness to take risks is really showing up and in others, not so much. So I kind of wanted to poke a little, not in a personal way, but are there specific areas where fear is stronger than others? Not the specific fear. I'm not Dr. Phil. But for instance, are there specific zones where you're like, okay, so I'm kicking butt with the fear thing over here and over here, my confidence is still taking a beating?
1: I'm reading this book called the, the big leap and he talks about your upper limit. And you know, when you have a upper limit problem <laughs> and that upper limit is you get yourself, you know, things are going great. Life is good. And you get to this upper limit where then you start thinking, okay, what's going to go wrong or, you know, what bad thing is going to happen or can I really be this happy? Like, is this really okay? <laughs> um, there are sometimes when I deal with that as it relates to um, business and just the lifestyle that I've chosen because seeing, you know, seeing other people not necessarily live the life that they want or that they've expressed that they want or that you know that they want.
0: So what I heard was there are a couple of areas that you said that um, you still deal with fears, and one of them is around upper limits that you're reading about in this book called The Big Leap. So the upper limit, is that about finance or how it is that you work? No, the upper limit is just in general, anything
1: um, as it relates to when things are going good, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's finance, whether it's business, whatever the case may be, it's great. And then you have this upper limit where, okay, this is going great. How am I going, not that you consciously say this to yourself, but your subconscious acts on this how can I sabotage this? You know, so it becomes, it becomes self-sabotaging. Um, and so as it relates to business, there are some things where I, where I kind of do that because I'll sit on something or like I have this idea of things that I want to do. And then the fear of, well, what will people think if I, and it's so it's going to sound contradictory in, in a second, but, um, We're women. We don't
0: have to. I'm sorry. That's just. I know that comes with angry. some of this other stuff. I'm not sure where it came from, but we absolutely are. Con- we are a study in contrast. But it, we're just so pretty and so cute while we're doing it. Right? It's it's worth it. Um, right. So we are a study in contrast. So while I'm
1: cool with who I am and, and you know, knowing having clarity about where I wanna go and the things that I wanna do, at the same time there are these instances, especially in business, where even though I've been doing this, like building websites and um doing online business and all this stuff since nineteen ninety eight, probably nineteen late December nineteen ninety seven, um, there's still times where I question what I know and how much I know and who am I to teach this to somebody and you know there are a thousand ten thousand people out here teaching the same thing or showing people the same thing what do you have that's different why will people listen to you and all this stuff when the reality is every day people are listening to me every day my clients are asking me questions and I'm answering questions on the same stuff every single day but it's this weird mind thing where you have this upper limit or these you know mindset issues that you have to get past. And so that's one of the areas where um, sometimes I have to deal with fear and sometimes I'll procrastinate it, you know, and I won't go ahead and step out there. Although I
0: did take a big leap this past week. So, yay. So it's interesting because you're talking about kind of what you do for business and for work. So that's the first time you've mentioned it. So you develop websites and, Um, You develop websites for specific people. So who's a good target for you for a website?
1: Um, My target is life and wellness coaches. And I really kind of just came to the conclusion that that was the best niche for me because I resisted having a niche for a lot (laughs) since 1998. And why? Uh, (laughs) Probably one of those fear things. Where it's kinda of like, okay, if I niche then I'm gonna be eliminating these people and I'm going to be lessening the pool of potential clients. When what I found in even just this short period of time that I have decided to um focus on a specific niche, it's totally the opposite. Like people know what you do so they know they know more so what you do and so you get more specific referrals. You get to work on the type of projects and um with people that you really like like i love personal develop. i'm a personal development junkie um i'm working on you know the whole health thing so i like you know wellness and health and wellness and so it's like focusing on that niche it's the best of both worlds because i get to learn from all these people because my clients are brilliant so i get to learn from them um and it's something that I like learning. And then I also get to help them in the areas where I'm strong at, which is figuring out all this online tech stuff.
0: Awesome. So as I'm sitting here thinking, I think most of the people in my universe who I was looking up to when I was growing up all worked like regular gigs. Like they got a job and went and stayed until they got their watch and then retired. So I do know some entrepreneurs in my family, but for the most part, we were like company people. So I was wondering when you were talking about um, the like what you do for work and how there are other people who don't do kind of what they dream about doing. And I'm wondering if part of the kind of, well, is this really work? Because that's what I'm hearing. Like, so um, some of the, and if I'm putting words in your mouth, correct me, but some of the um, kind of internal uh, conflict or the conversation is, I am having so much fun doing what I'm doing. Can this really be my career?
1: Right. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's not so fun because, um, one of the things that I decided when I left working, um, full time was that I'm not going to create another job for myself. Um, like when, when doing this starts to feel like a job, then something has to get, something has to change. That's just non-negotiable. And there have been times where it has. Um, and so when that happens, I just reevaluate, but I've been in Entrepreneur. I've had an entrepreneurial spirit ever since I was 10. I sold Avon at 10. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. which Which was pretty much the equivalent of giving my mom the book for her to take to work with her.
0: <laughs> that like living your dream job, like you just can't wait to get up and go do it thing, sometimes feels like it's for other people. So I just wondered if there was any of that, because I think that we go through the lessons that we go through to prepare for where we're supposed to end up so i don't know if costa rica is the location and guess what i don't have to know that (laughs) you do right that's not my work but if you were doing another job like a full-time engineering job you couldn't be embarking on this journey i mean i don't know about where you worked as an engineer but i'm pretty sure most of those places wouldn't let you just decide to hop up and go do it from costa rica on the schedule that you set am i right about that no, no, that's absolutely right. And when I actually when I
1: left working full time, I was working full time in ministry. So I worked at Texas Instruments for about seven years as an engineer. Then I worked um, had a little in between time. Then I worked in full time ministry for six years. And then I decided that I'm gonna be forty in four years. That was four years, I'm gonna be forty in four years. And there's just some stuff that I wanna do.
0: You decided that you were going to be forty in four years, four years ago, or you're going to be forty four years. I mean, from now.
1: No, I'm going to be forty in what's today? The 13th October. I'm going to
0: be forty in 15 days from now. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to say, "Welcome to forty! It's fabulous." I'm over forty girl, please. I'm okay. So I'm excited now. I was not excited when it happened, but that's a whole other podcast. So you were working as an engineer, then you worked full-time in ministry. And then you said, Hey, I want to make some shifts into how I'm living because time is passing and this isn't how I want to spend most of my time.
1: Yes. And, you know, being the person who studies personal development like I do and all this kind of stuff, I've wanted to have a certain To live a certain way for a long time. And it was just about finally having the guts and the getting past that fear, punching fear in the throat to say, okay, let's do it. Um, and that's just kind of where I, where I, where I was. And once you have the taste of it though, it's like, there's no going back. Like if I had to work on somebody's job right now, I, I don't know how I would do that. Like thank God I don't. When you decide, there's a lot of things that, that go with that decision, right? Like everybody's not, everybody doesn't want to, um, I'm not saying that you have to live with less in order to pursue your dream. That's not what I'm saying at all. But, um, everybody doesn't have the desire to not have a house, to not have, um, like to go to another country, not have a house, not have a car, not not have certain things. And that's not to say that once you get to the other country, you can't get those things. I'm just being kind of general. But everybody doesn't have that same desire or, you know, that same dream to want to do that. And so I guess it's just a matter of what, figuring out what you want to do and how you want to do it. But most people or a lot of people always say, you know, I wish I could do that or I wish I could do this. And I just kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, well, why aren't you? That's why I asked myself, you know, why aren't you doing it? And if that meant making the decision to live with less for a little while, while I got to that place where I wanted to be, then that was like, I guess you can call it a sacrifice, even though it doesn't necessarily feel like, it doesn't totally feel like a sacrifice because I'm
0: content and I'm happy where I am, Um it may not be perfect, but it's perfect for me. I don't think you have to put on ashes to sacrifice, right? I think it's how you look at it. Because sometimes the sacrifice feels like, okay, I can't believe I can't have ice cream every day, right? And other days, <laughs> right. I like, oh, I'm sorry, is that just me? And sometimes it's like, oh, I can't believe no. I can't have ice cream every day. And other times it's like, okay, I don't care that I didn't buy a brand new car this month because I'm investing that money somewhere else. So right. some, exactly. it's the mindset. So if it feels like, I'm saying no to this thing so I can say yes to this thing, then it doesn't feel as much like such a big deal that you're sacrificing something for something else.
1: Right. And the biggest part is knowing what that thing is. Because once you know what that thing is that you want, once you really, really know, like there's nothing, I don't think, there's nothing that will stop you from going after it, even though you may have stutter moments where, you know, you kind of get stuck and have to punch fear in the throat over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. That's why you have
0: two fists.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing that won't stop you from, from trying to get there.
0: Right. Now, what do you think that you take from your engineering training and from your time in ministry that uniquely prepares you to help life and wellness coaches be found on the internet?
1: Well, a couple things. And, and the engineering, it's like kind of like you said um, just a little while ago, and I'm probably going to paraphrase it because like the different things, the different places where you are and, um, you know, different things lead you to the, one, the spot where you where you're supposed to be. And so I think that engineering was a part of the foundation because it also helped me with my work in ministry. However, working in ministry was way more work and harder than being an engineer. But as a part of engineering, I learned systems. I learned problem solving. I learned how to manage projects. I also did technical marketing. So I started, you know, learning marketing and that kind of thing. So, you know, some of the, the basic skills and then working in ministry, I honed all of that. I used all of that and then some, (laughs) um, but the other thing that ministry showed me was interacting with people having you know I still have to work on it a lot having patience with people, (laughs) compassion and change like because in engineering it's either black or white most of the time there's no gray in ministry there's a lot of gray
0: and do you find there's a lot of gray in figuring out how to tell your story online
1: Oh, absolutely because you have to be you have you also have to be willing to um to kind of go with the curves, you know? Like you test something out, it doesn't work, then you try something different. You know, you have the systems, you have the the processes and plans and stuff in place, but it doesn't always work. And you have to be willing to adjust and make mid-course corrections. And that was one of the hardest parts, but one of the hardest things I had to learn when I first started working in ministry was mid-course corrections because You know, we decide on something, we decide on a plan of action, and i would be like, ready to go. And then you come in the next day, and it's like, oh, we're doing something different. And I'm like, what? What the what? What do you mean? We just sat
0: all day and figured out this plan.
1: What are you talking about? So you have to to become really
0: comfortable with, you know, changes and and changing on the fly. And that's like anti-engineer, right? Well, I worked with a lot of engineers, but I never really understood what it was that they did. Right. It wasn't that I didn't have an appreciation for it. I just didn't understand it, hadn't seen it up close and personal. Um, So I think that so, as I said, right, I was always in marketing or always in uh, communications. And I always thought of what I did at companies as being so dramatically different from other departments. But the more you work with people, the more you figure out that the skills do translate. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. A friend of mine called me the queen of systems because I will have a system and write out notes and plan things
0: to infinity and beyond. <laughs> but one of the things I find fascinating because I am a communicator beginning end, right? I mean, that's what I have always done. Like you were saying, you knew you want to be an entrepreneur since you were 10. I think since I was five, I knew, right. That I just wanted to figure out how to make people communicate better with one another. But, um, One of the things that I think is fascinating is when people think about online, they want it to just be one thing. They want to learn one thing and then have it be that and never change, even though that's not how we market anywhere else right? So, you know, when I tell people, you know, um, you have to show up and tell your story. And they're like, well, show up where? Okay, that depends. It's a good question, right? And I'm like, well, that depends. Who are you talking to? Because you want to show up where they are, (laughs) right? You don't want to try to build something and make everybody come where you are. You need to go where they are and then be noticeable. So where the where you show up is different for everyone, right? And then the tell your story part, That's the critical piece that we've kind of been talking about here as well as you've been talking about how you finally got comfortable with um, what you wanted to do and with who you were and kind of what your strengths were and you know clarity about kind of who you wanted to help. And it was fascinating when you were talking about picking a group of people you wanted to work with. When I was younger and I would think about a business, to me, the broader the business was – and this was before I learned – Right, So the broader my business model, the better, because I never wanted to think about turning away money. And a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about people who are so talented that they don't necessarily get a lot done because there are so many things that they could do. Right, So if you're good at six things, man, my heart goes out to you because you don't know which of those six to do. And if they don't fit together and you're trying to chase six. So Carrie Wilkerson said the other day. You can't ride a one horse with two high knees, and I was like, "Oh, I'd, I'd heard chasing two rabbits, but yeah, I guess riding a horse with I guess riding a horse with two high knees that works as well." But to your point, the clearer you get about who you want to talk to and about what, the better. So, if you come to me and say, "I am going to start a business," what's my first question? Great, doing what? If it takes you more than 30 seconds to answer the question, you don't know. You're not ready. You aren't. Because if your business, if you say that your market is everybody, you don't have a market. Because real, let's be real. Even Walmart can't market to everybody and they have money. I mean, un, I'm not saying unlimited, but you know what I mean? You have to know who you're talking to. And it can't be everybody. And it shouldn't be everybody. But we're afraid that the universe isn't abundant enough with that one thing that we've decided that that won't work. But as you said what you have found is it does work. Because if I know that you create websites for wellness professionals, it's so much easier for me to find connections as I go about my life that makes sense for you. Or if you just say oh I um cre- I help small businesses market online. I don't know what to do with that necessarily. Right because which small business
1: and and then you end up getting a lot of you end up getting a lot of, of projects that don't hold um meaning for you. And sometimes you're like a deer in headlights because it's like, okay, do I take this or not? Or Because once I learned that all money is not good money, mm. and once I learned the power of There's saying, another
0: tweetable, all money is not good money.
1: Um, and once I learned the power of saying no... And and being okay with saying no, like I'm real good at it now. Like I probably some people say they have problems saying no. I think I have problems saying yes.
0: <laughs> but
1: once I learned the power of saying no, um, it's like it opens up a whole new world for you. And I was actually thinking, um, today about this blog post that I was thinking about writing because I'm working on that, like writing more blog posts. But so I was thinking about this one, and, and the thought that came to my mind was. Two of the most major shifts in my business came because of one little word. And the word is focus. Um, The first time I was coaching with um, Sandy Krakowski and we were doing like a WordPress experts course. And one of the things that she told us and kind of like drilled into us was focus. Like I can do a whole lot of things. That's just. Thank God, by nature, I just, I'm, I'm technically inclined. I can figure things out. You know, when I was younger, I was always rigging stuff with my granddad, figuring out, uh, putting together bicycles, VCRs, all that kind of stuff, even as a little kid. So I've just always been inclined to figure things out. And so I can do a lot of stuff. I can put your books on Amazon. I can make, uh, PDF ebooks. I can do some graphics. I'm not a graphic designer, but I know, you know, enough to be dangerous. I can do some stuff to be dangerous. Um, so there's all these things that I could do and I was trying to do them all and I was not being successful at hardly any of them. Like I don't really have any clients. I had some here and there, but not a lot. And so once I decided to focus on, okay, this is who I am. I do WordPress websites. That's it. That's what I do. That's what I focus on. Eventually I kind of worked up to doing, you know, working a specific kind and that kind of thing. But I do WordPress websites. That's it. And once I decided to focus on that, it's like that was the first major turn because now all of my energy, just like a laser, right? Like all of my energy and all of my focus and my time and all this stuff is centered in this one thing. And so it just grew. And then the second time was deciding to um, focus on a niche. And even though that hasn't been a long time, the reason why I say it's one of the most the two biggest times is because once I decided that the laser became even more powerful because it became even more focused and my marketing, my, whatever I do on social media, um, you know, everything, it's like, it's just, it's more focused. And so the message is more clear. And so more people come like the minute I decided to do that and change some stuff. I got like five inquiries within the week that I put out there that,
0: This is what I do.
1: Exactly. That I help life and wellness coaches do the techie stuff. Like that was and I
0: was like sitting there looking like, You smart girl. (laughs) Why Why did you wait so long? Like what is wrong? (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, Man, why didn't I do this before? So I have that same conversation with myself. Oh man, why did I do that before? But almost immediately I am so I am coachable. Right, I don't know everything, Uh but I am super coachable. So I still have that thought: Why didn't you do this before? But immediately, I think to myself, because I wasn't ready then. Yes, that wasn't my that. It was not time for that lesson for me. Sometimes you have to get the same lesson more than one time, and I'm one of those people. Repetition is my best friend, (laughs) right? I'm not the kind of person who will actually am kind of so not like Sheldon on Big Bang Theory. I don't have like an eidetic memory, but once I've heard something, it's kind of in the file cabinet and I can access it if I want to, but it moves closer to the front of the file cabinet if I hear it more than one time. So one of the things that I have loved, as you have kind of talked about your journey, is taking the time to try stuff and figure out who you are, and then just fully embracing that.
1: Understanding that, or being okay with like who you were, you know, like who you were like five years ago. It's not who you are today Heck, who you were last week if you are you know constantly in a state or understanding that you constantly learn and you constantly grow and you constantly change who I was last week is not who I am today say it again
0: that was so good I love that you're like get okay with the fact that maybe today you are not the person you were five years ago
1: because one thing can change your life right like one one revelation one understanding one thing clicking into place you can wake up and something clicks today that didn't click yesterday and now you're totally different That, like i really believe that that is possible
0: i absolutely there are so many things i'm just gonna be blowing up twitter there's just all (laughs) there's all all my tamilisms (laughs) all my tamilisms So I have so enjoyed our time with you, but I promised I was going to be respectful of your time. So I want to say thank you so much for um, dropping by and taking our conversation to a place I didn't know it was going. That was so much better than what I thought it was going to be. Right. And being willing to be um, led to where we needed to go. Because I think the there were so many lessons around punching fear in the throat and doing it anyway. And like the clarity and the magic that comes from like really figuring out who you are. And I think the real power of your story for me was we hear these stories like about people who are like famous, who we can't touch, who don't seem quite real. But... It's so much more powerful for me when I hear a story of like a real person, a like kind, a like me kind of person, right? Who's modeling something that I'm like, oh, okay, so um, I'm trying to think of a famous person. Okay, Angela Bassett did so and so. Well, <laughs> I am no Angela Bassett, right? Or, um, oh my gosh, did you see what, um, uh, what's the child's name who wrote Lean In? I can't think of her name. You know what I'm talking about. So, oh my gosh. Oh, I just wish that there was like a lean in, in me. And I'm like, well, there isn't a lean in me. There's a different book, right? Which is okay. But okay. So I'm not Cheryl. That's the person's name who wrote lean in. See, it would come to me. So I'm not Cheryl Sandberg, right? And I'm not Angela Bassett. And I'm also not Tamala Huntley. But there is something in each of those people that I can take from to then become the better Allegra because I have seen it modeled by people who I couldn't touch and people who I can touch, you know, the closer folks, the, the role models who you can get on Skype. <laughs>
1: exactly. and, there will, <laughs> and there will always be, there'll always be like, there'll always be an audience or there'll always not even, I don't want to say it like it um, because in business there's an the audience, but just in general, there'll always be people who need what you have or who can find value in what you have. And that was the hardest lesson has been the heart. One of the hardest lessons for me to learn is that there are always people who need what you have. Like I have um, I have a person who she asked me, we met at uh, WordCamp in Miami and just until I got to WordCamp. I had never met her, had never even talked to her online and we got there and I went up to take a picture with someone and she came up and she was like, can I take a picture with you? And I was like, huh?
0: (laughs) With me, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. like, "Uh uh-oh, who does she think I am? (laughs) Right, right.
1: (laughs) And she said, I know you might think this is weird, but I follow you online like I stalk you online all this stuff that I would tell that you know I'm telling other people who I follow and stalk online and stuff and she's saying this to me and I'm like it was really an eye-opener because there are people who need what you have no matter how small or how insignificant you may think it is and we became um we became friends and You know, she asked me to like mentor her to the day. It's still hard for me to say, you know, that I mentor somebody. I don't know why. I'll get over that eventually. Um, and she considers herself like a mentee of me to help her with her website business. She knows web design and she can, you know, she figures stuff out and does really well. Like she's really good. And once I decided on what niche I wanted, like I started sending people to her, (laughs) the ones that were not within the niche, the ones I said no to, right? Um, but it's, it was, it was hard for me to, to accept that, okay, somebody sees me in this light. And one of the things that it helped me to understand and to see, and this is what I was going to say. Thank you for inviting me because especially as an, um, when you call it like a freelance or a person working from home and, um, working alone, you kind of tend to work and live in vacuum. And so, this pushes me out of my comfort zone like it snatches me out of my comfort zone because I will be very content to just sit here do my work you know kind of hide in the shadows and that kind of thing and be okay with it and it pushes me to share your brownies with the world you have these brownies I'm like man I've been hoarding my brownies since 1998
0: (laughs) 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 I had never heard that before but share your brownies okay
1: In any case, I just was saying, you know, this pushes me past my comfort zone. Things like that pushes you past your your comfort zone because you don't realize that there are people out there who need exactly what you have. There are people out there who, you know, who you can help even at just the level of where where you are. And that's great. And to me, that's what success really is. Like I have two favorite favorites of all time quotes. One of my favorite quotes is Maya Angelou. And I'm going to get it, even though it's my favorite quote, co- Quote, I paraphrase it, but you know, success is liking who you are, uh, what you do and how you do it. Like that is so powerful to me because you don't have to live by somebody else's definition of success. It's how you define it for yourself and what success means to you. And when you really figure out what that means to you, that's when you really start to accelerate towards whatever that success is for you. And then the other one is, you know, that the only thing standing between us and our dreams is the lies that we tell ourselves. And so I constantly ask myself, okay, you're scared to do this or you're nervous or you're, you know, there's fear. What lie are you telling yourself? You know, what are you, what are you thinking about this or the stories, not the lies, but the stories that you tell yourself. So what story are you telling yourself about this that's stopping you from, you know, going forward. And so anyway, all of that to say thank you because, it's really pushed me past my comfort zone because, you know, I'm used to, I like sitting in my little office and working behind the
0: scenes. <laughs> well, we're glad you raised your head up and that you came out of your office. If people want more Tamala, where can they get it? Um, Easy, tamalahuntley.com. And I will include a link to that in the show notes. And do you want to give your Twitter handle as well?
1: It's Tamala M. Huntley. <laughs> There's that whole simple thing, right? Everything is either Tamala M. Huntley or Tamala
0: Huntley. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. I have been looking forward to this. I think we've been trying to plan this since like May, Um, but hey, everything in its own time. (laughs) It's a different story today than it would have been in May. It is. Right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So so again, thank you so much for your time here. And thank you all for listening. You can find the show notes and re-listen to this episode either here on iTunes, on Stitcher, or at the podcasts um, or on my website, rather. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Now you've been given permission to be more powerful and influence more people. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to com slash iTunes and leave a review. It will help Allegra get the message out to more women that they can punch fear in the throat, show up, and tell their stories. We'll see you next time on the Allegrativity Powercast with Allegra Sinclair.